Today, I am offering you a way of working on your callings that will completely set you apart from the scatterbrained rest of the world and give your callings the opportunity to be as big and successful as you want them to be. And this technique is called deep work. This is the Lady Quest podcast, and I am Ariel Kylie, your hostess. And this podcast is for intuitive, self-aware women who know that they have a big life purpose here on earth. Does that sound like you? Something that feels deeply meaningful to you that you want to do, create, experience, or pursue in this life. So Matt, my husband, and I were recently discussing what our love languages are. The supposed top five love languages are words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. And we took a little detour into creating our own love languages. And I said, I think my love language is attention. When I really care about someone, I give them my full and complete attention. I listen all the way. I'm watching them. My body is fully present with their body. And that's a big way that I show that I love them. If I don't really care about someone, I'm not going to give them that much attention. And I was thinking about this as it relates to deep work, because deep work really is giving your full attention to the task at hand. And ideally, it's a task you love. So Cal Newport wrote this book called Deep Work and coined this phrase. His definition of it is that it's a state of distraction-free concentration when your brain works at its maximum potential. So it's not just about giving something your time. It's about the quality of attention that you give it. It's shifting from being scatterbrained and distracted to immersing yourself in your work. And doing deep work really is just a decision away. You can decide, I want to start practice working deeply. But many of us have lost this ability to focus deeply. So when we come up against a challenging part of our work, we want to resist, we want to pull out, we want to avoid, we want to do anything except face our own limitations in patience and attention. But to practice deep work means that you choose to stay with it. You discipline your mind. You commit on another level. And by doing so, you're going to have breakthroughs. Now, I want to quote a few things from Cal Newport's book, Deep Work. But before I do, I just want to make a note in case this ever gets back to Mr. Newport, that I was very disappointed in the lack of examples of women in his book. I think there may be one or two examples. It is a complete sausage fest. His book is full of examples of deep working men. And I just wanted to see more examples of women. So Cal, if you ever do an update on your book, can you add some more women to it? That being said, let's talk about 
shallow work. So according to Newport, shallow work is what most of us are accustomed to. He defines it as non-cognitively demanding, logistical style tasks often performed while distracted. These efforts tend to not create much new value in the world and are easy to replicate. He also notes that just so much of our time, our attention is fragmented. Think about when you sit down on your computer to maybe look up an email and by the time you open your email, you forget what you're even looking for but then you get distracted by a different email and that makes you think about something happening on your Instagram feed and you go there and that makes you think about something you want to buy from Amazon. So you go to Amazon and that makes you think about a text you want to write your mom. But then by the time you open your phone, you forget who you were writing a text to, but then you see a text from someone else and then you reply to that text. Our attention is like all the freaking over the place right now. And This constant fragmented attention and ongoing shallow work shapes how our brains function. Shallow tasks combined with fragmented attention chip away at our capacity for contemplation and for concentration. Now, this is no problem if you want to spend your whole life flipping through TikTok videos But if you're listening to this podcast, you don't want to spend your whole life doing that. You want to activate and honor your deep sense of purpose in this life. One note that Newport makes that I think is really interesting is that because deep work is increasingly rare, it has become increasingly valuable. So being able to do deep work sets you apart from the rest of the world, makes you a much bigger asset to your workplace. Now, I don't care whether you're an asset to your workplace unless you care if you're an asset to your workplace, but it is just interesting to note that this is kind of a dying skill given the way the world is right now. And by choosing to practice deep work, you're choosing to go against the grain. So I want to bring this a little bit more into practice. What this looks like is choosing to set aside focus time. Now, focus time is another term that I got from my very fancy productivity planner created by Intelligent Change. And focus time is a block of time you set aside and you set a timer for where you are going to immerse your focus in the task at hand. So let's say you have the call to write a book of poetry. What you would do is turn off all distractions, shut the door. If there's anyone else in the house, tell them not to interrupt you. Close down every window on your computer. If you're using your computer, put your phone on airplane mode and set a timer for anywhere from, you can start with 20 minutes, go up to 45 minutes potentially, maybe training yourself to do even more. It's kind of like training yourself to meditate. And once that timer starts, you immerse your attention only in working on the poem you're working on. You discipline your mind. You do not let your mind wander. You do not daydream. You do not pick up your phone and flip through something. You keep your mind focused all the way until that timer goes off. 
Now, again, as in meditating, it won't be very easy at first. Your mind is not trained to be able to do this. So you're going to be tempted to follow distractions, to go get a snack. You're suddenly going to think you need to vacuum the floor. But you say no. You, you note that that's not a real urge. That's the effect of living in a fragmented world and usually just using shallow attention. So you choose to commit. You choose to stay focused. And when that timer goes off, then you completely release yourself from it. Then you can go make a cup of tea. You can take a walk. You can check whatever social media you want. But when you go back into your focus time, when you set that timer again, again, you only focus on that thing that you really want to make meaningful progress in. So speaking of meditation, one thing that really lit me up about learning about deep work is it felt so connected to a lot of the studies I've done around yoga philosophy. So in the Yoga Sutra by Patanjali, Sutra means thread, and the Yoga Sutra is a collection of 196 short verses, these threads that serve as a guide to attain wisdom and self-realization. Now, embedded in the Yoga Sutra, in these teachings, are the what are called the eight limbs of yoga. And I'm not going to focus on the first five limbs, which are the more rudimentary ones, including yoga asana, which is the physical practice many people partake in. And there's also, and there's also pranayama, which is the breath regulation practice. We're going all the way to the sixth limb, which is called dharana. And this is to hold your mind on a particular inner state subject or topic. So it's the practice of fixing your mind on something. Now in yoga practice, it could be a mantra. It could be your breath. It could be the tip of your nose. It could also be a concept or an idea. I used to like to practice this by meditating on a flower, just holding my gaze on a rose and giving all my attention to gazing at that rose. So dharana really encapsulates the spirit of focus time. It's that single pointed attention on something outside yourself. Now the seventh limb is dhyana, which is meditative absorption. And this is when we become totally absorbed into the focus of our meditation. And this is considered when meditation really starts happening. It kind of takes on a life of its own. And often the word merging comes up with this one. It's like you're you're kind of merging into, if you think of the energy field between you and the object of your meditation, between you and that rose, there's this really deep and profound connection between you. And then the final limb, the eighth limb, which is what so many spiritual seekers are going for, is samadhi. And this is basically awakening. It's enlightenment. It's when you transcend yourself, your small separate self altogether, and you feel this profound connection with the divine. Now, if we bring this back down to the book of poetry you're writing, or the painting you're painting, or this really works too for 
scientific explorations or computer programming, you're trying to make a breakthrough that's potentially never been made before. If we bring it back down to earth in these activities, it sounds an awful lot like being in a flow state. The term flow state was coined by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, and he defines it as a state in which people are so involved in an activity that nothing else seems to matter. The experience is so enjoyable that people will continue to do it even at great cost for the sheer sake of doing it. You may have experienced a flow state when you're running called the runner's high. Even though you're theoretically tired and beaten down and you've been running for miles and miles, this other energy just fills you and fills the space around you. And there's this feeling of almost like being run by spirit itself. Your fuel suddenly isn't your muscles and the eggs you had for breakfast. It's, can I say God? You're doing it just for the sheer joy of doing it. I think it's important to bring in the idea of the flow state here because it's easy to grumble and groan when you think of disciplining yourself to practice focus time and to do deep work. You might think, oh, that's a bummer. That's so grown up. I don't want to. I don't want to. I want to watch TV instead. But when you push through that and you focus deeply, you could be rewarded with this state that's so much beyond whatever giggle you're going to get out of the screens in your life. You know what I mean? I really love my work. And I don't think I'm just lucky that I love my work, although I am lucky that I live in a world where I have a lot of choice about what I do for work. I don't think it's just luck, though, because I made many, many conscious decisions to craft a profession that's one that I get up and I'm excited to do every day. And part of my work is writing newsletters. I regularly write to the people in my audience. And if I, let's say, wake up on a Thursday and I know I want to write my Friday newsletter And I just think like, okay, I got to fit this in and I'm half distracted and I'm half on my phone and I'm half writing the newsletter. I don't enjoy it. The newsletter is a pain in my ass. It's a chore and I even can resent it a little bit versus when I wake up, I take the time to have my little morning ritual, my warm lemon water, my nettles tea maybe a little reading, maybe a little journaling. And then I go in my study, I shut the door, I put on ambient music. I All I do is listen to this ambient dreamscapes mix over and over on Spotify. I set a timer. I like to set a timer for 45 minutes because I find I can get so much done in 45 minutes. So I set a timer for 45 minutes. I close my phone, I put it off to the side. And for that 45 minutes, usually I spend the first... 20 to 30 minutes writing out my ideas in a notebook because I like the physical writing experience. And then at some point, I reach a point of completion in the notebook where I open up a Word document on my computer. I transfer what I've written 
I edit and I polish it. Now, when I do that with the deep work approach, I love doing it. It actually feels so luxurious to just get to focus on one thing, to go into my mind and to ask myself, like, what is the most alive and juicy idea I want to convey this week? And then get to focus all my attention on writing it out to the best of my ability. This is a great joy to me when I do it as deep work versus when it's just a chore and my attention is scattered it's a bummer and you can really usually sense the difference in the quality of the newsletter I write as well so I practice it for writing I practice it for planning this podcast I practice it for designing workshops or designing courses I'm doing I really practice deep work for anything that's important to me that I want to make real and meaningful progress at in this life. And I know there are thousands of other women out there with similar backgrounds to me, with similar ideas to me, that are also writing newsletters and drafting podcast ideas and creating courses. And that's not at all a problem to me. They're not competition because Once I carve out and I'm inside that sacred space of doing my deep work, I know what's going to emerge from me will be completely original. And that interplay in that time between my intellect, my knowledge, my intuition, and my sense of what's happening with my community and my audience, it's a magical time. Okay, so you know we got to bring this back to you. I'd like to give you an invitation. And my invitation first is to ask yourself, what project would you really like to make some meaningful progress on? What would you like to be really good at? So first acknowledge to yourself what you would love to be really, really good at. And the cool thing is, if something pops up right now that you've never tried before, If you start practicing deep work, you could get really, really good at it in this life still. You don't have to have started it when you were 12. So after you think of that thing, ask yourself, what time could I set aside in my schedule to practice deep work with this? And you can start with chunks of 20 minutes and you can work up to 45 minutes or maybe even more. It is suggested that you do take a break in between these focus time chunks to just kind of like shake the edge of sketch of your brain, refresh yourself, and then come back. Cal Newport says the maximum any of us can do deep work is four hours a day. So don't expect yourself to work deeply for eight hours. If you got up to four hours, that would be amazing. But even if you just do it for like two 20-minute chunks on a regular basis, you're going to see huge progress and also feel huge meaning from what you're doing. So once you've noted those, maybe put it on your calendar because the best way to do deep work is to schedule it. Schedule it and protect that time. Put it on your calendar and give it a whirl. And here's the good news. 
although your brain may have been adapted to do more of this shallow work over recent years or decades, all your nerves are myelinated, which means they have this protective sheath, this wrapping on them. I learned this from the book, The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. And the more you practice deep work and deep study, those nerves remyelinate themselves, which means the information moving through your brain and the skill connected to that, that activity runs cleaner, more efficiently, more effectively through regularly doing deep study and practicing deep work. So you're going to find six months from now, you're so much more efficient and effective than you are when you started out. So if you have a rocky first few rounds, know that that's part of the process and your brain is just bushwhacking these new neurological pathways. And the more you walk them, the more clear and clean they're going to get. Just like the more you walk a path in the woods, the more that path is going to be formed into the earth and it's going to be very easy to see it and walk it and even run it one day. All right, so I think you probably get the idea now, and I hope you're really excited to go practice deep work. It really is such a treat, such a luxury, so delicious to give your full attention to that which you really love and want to be great at. All right, you totally got this. If you like this podcast, you will love the LadyQuest program. Join my newsletter through the link in the episode description if you want to learn more about LadyQuest, my one-on-one coaching work, and get invited to transformational workshops I teach on a regular basis online. Also, if you want to make my day, you could leave a five-star review for this podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of my world, and I look forward to being with you again very soon.